Light a campfire and everyone's a storyteller. Join us for some thought-provoking and beyond fireside chats. Today I'm joined by Barry Temple, our Habitat Field Manager at and Beyond Pinda. Barry has literally done it all. After starting his journey as a star in training back in 2003, he progressed to butler, camp manager, tracker, ranger, head ranger, and for the time being, has settled as the reserve's habitat field manager, a role which keeps him incredibly busy. Barry, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast this morning. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Um, yeah, happy to be doing one. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it's really good to really good to have you, and thank you for finding the, the time to chat to us today. So, Barry, I thought we could start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? And what made you want to work at and beyond Pinda Private Game Reserve? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, Barry is, uh, Barry Mtembu is, um, is a guy that comes from the rural communities um, in an area called uh, Josini. That's where I grew up. Then part of my family um, stays in another community called Nduku or Makasa, which is a community that is uh, close by to uh, and beyond Pinda Private Game Reserve. F- from my, um, my stage as a young boy, I've, I've always enjoyed being, you know, outdoors, um, going out into the bush and, you know, looking at some plants, either for my grandfather for medicinal purposes, trying to find beds. That, that's, that was kind of, you know, my, my, my uprising. Also looking after cattle and goat and um, as a young boy. And, you know, uh, growing up, again, I grew up in a community where there were a lot of other similar age boys, which, you know, made life and integration into the bush uh, slightly easier because we used to go as a group and, you know, uh, back in those days, you could still find quite a, a few uh, wild animals in the communal areas. Um, things like grey dikers, um, you know, like rabbits. Uh, no, no big game though. Impala one or twice. So we will learn to track, you know, some of those animals. Uh, we'll learn to track some of the goats and, and cattles. Uh, when we're out there in, into the field. Then, yeah, as I said, part of my, my, my family um, has been staying in the, the Makasa community. And um, a cousin of mine, or in our culture, will be a brother, um, had been, you know, working at Peter Private Game Reserve uh, as a game guide. They used to call them back in those days, which nowadays they call them field rangers. And he also then um, upgraded himself into being a tracker. And so then, yeah, like when he's on leave, coming back from work and, you know, he'll show us photos of him and on game drives and, you know, seeing animals like elephants, lions, rhinos, leopards, you name them. And then that's kind of like where for me the love of actually coming or in fact joining and beyond uh, started because, you know, I could hear some good stories from, from my brother or from my cousin about what, you know, uh, the role Pinda has done for him as a person and as an individual. And uh, what um, Pinda has also done for the communities. Yeah, then, you know, I I also wanted to work for an organization that, you know, doesn't only, you know, look after the business uh, on its own, but uh, um, an organization that is uh, quite 
key in also ensuring um, that the communities surrounding is well looked after. So yeah, I think that way the love uh, to work for and beyond, you know, came about for me, Josh. And Barry, you've you yourself have had an incredible journey with and beyond, and you've you've mentioned your your cousin who was a a game guide or field ranger, and, and who sort of first introduced you to it. Um, can you tell us how you got started? Um, what was your first job at and beyond Pinder, and where are you now? So how it started for me is, and then yeah, like I heard about um, opportunities that get given to you know the locals that are quite interested in learning about you know tourism, ecotourism, or even hospitality industry. And I heard about this program um, called the Star in Training, which, um, yeah, I enrolled into it, I applied for the training, and uh, I got accepted at, at Pinda Forest Lodge. That's how I started. I did my training there and then finished my training. Um, <clears throat> then, yeah, I was home for a little bit. Um, then, I, you know, there was a position available, which I then applied for it. And, yeah, uh, luckily I got it. Then I started working full-time for uh, and beyond uh, Cis Africa at that stage. Uh, that was 2004 as a butler uh, at, at Pinda Flare Lodge. Then, yeah, I worked there for, I think, three or four years, if I may recall. But then I started, like, you know, pushing myself, saying to myself, you know what, you've wanted to actually work for an organization like, like and beyond or Pinda. Now you're here. What else, you know, you can do as Barry? Yeah, that when I started, you know, like pushing myself in learning more about, you know, like the hospitality. Um, started, like, you know, learning more about uh, different wines, um, cocktails, and, you know, in terms of checking in guests, check out guests, where do we get our guests from and what is actually needed to be able to, be able to recruit those guests. Then I realized that, you know, um, Flair was in like a small lodge, um, satellite lodge to forest. So I needed more of an exposure in terms of a, a bigger challenge. Um, then I moved back to forest lodge and still as a butler, I worked for a couple of years. They, then, yeah, I was doing more stuff there, you know, in terms of, learning about the other departments um then yeah i kind of like uh, get got to a stage where i wanted to to be out in the field now to learn what is actually happening in the field because you know i i do see the full guides taking guests out into the field and i started like i also want to know what is actually happening there what are they talking about what are they sharing uh, information about uh, with uh, the animals as well as the guests um then yeah i started again pushing myself and learning about tracking a little bit started to uh, learn about trees and identifying beds anything that was like in close proximity uh, so that i can better prep myself uh, when i move out of my zone and yeah then yeah i started like, doing all of that stuff and started like joining, you know, like trekkers when they go out to trek animals in between drives and started like joining, um, you know, uh, uh, rangers when they're doing training with the trainees. I, I remember one day I was actually invited to join 
um, what is called a grade, a grade one work assessment uh, by an ex Pina Forest Lodge head ranger. There was during my shift, but I had to, funny enough, I had to skip lunch and then went for half an hour to join uh, the grade, grade one assessment. You know, that, that was a turning, turning stone for me. Um, so I sacrificed lunch, in fact. Um, so that, you know, that, that moment when you decided to join a walk was an important turning point for you in realizing what direction you wanted to go in. Uh, the, the, yeah, absolutely. I think after that walk, um, there, was, there was it for me. And I said to myself, you know, uh, one day I, I would like to see myself being assessed. I want to see myself leading this walk. And I think, yeah, like as I said, that was the, the biggest turning, turning point for me. Um, then, yeah, I applied for Inquasi, Inquasi training in uh, 2009. I mean, um, yeah, 2009, um, did my, my Inquasi course in uh, 2009, um, got everything sorted, qualified in 2010, guided at Bayete um, <clears throat> camp uh, within Pinda for like a year. Then back to forest because you know I've I've always try and push myself uh, to more of an, a challenging environment, uh, a bigger lodge where you can learn more between yourself and your other uh, colleagues at work. Um, yeah, then got it for two years I think. Uh, then there was a call to to do a study. Um, then yeah, I, I grabbed that opportunity by both hands. Um, assisted by guests that I had driven. Um, so yeah, 2013, I took a break out of guiding a little bit and went and did a one-year um, course in nature conservation uh, at the South African Wildlife College. Yeah, it didn't feel like I was, I was out of, you know, and beyond because every now and then, if there was an opportunity, I'll come back and guide for a few days. Uh, so as much as I had said, I'm taking a break, I was still part of the family. And I think after that that one year, uh, Josh, um, that's why integrating back to to and beyond uh, was again uh, quicker than I actually had anticipated because uh, I was thinking after a year at the college, I'll then have to start, you know, like looking for another job uh, somewhere else, maybe in beyond if there was an opportunity. But you know, as soon as I graduated, you know, I was back in the field, um, guiding out of um, and beyond in Gala Safari Lodge. Yeah, it's, it's quite a long story. So basically, I've got it out of. You've you done. Know, you've like, done a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, I've done quite a few stints um, from the law lodges as well, and um, done guiding out of all the and, and beyond Pinda lodges. Done management of the team as a head guide as well, and you know, from being a head guide and um, managing the team and working well with the team, I, was, I sat down one day and um, asked myself, okay, what what next now? What must I challenge myself in? And luckily, uh, I found myself in the right place at the right time um, at and beyond Pinda, where in terms of uh, the reserve management is is done in-house. Uh, it's not like, uh, for example, in, in Kruger, where Ingala is part of, you know, like Kruger, but uh, management of, of, of the reserve is done by a separate entity. So the trial said, like, yeah, I was then lucky to be back at Pinda at, at the right time. And, yeah, I showed my interest in joining the conservation team. And, yeah, for, I mean, five years down the line, um, time is, has gone too quick. So that's, 
where currently I am uh, at this stage, uh, working at uh, still working at Pinda Private Game Reserve um, as part of the Pinda Conservation Team. What an incredible story, Barry! And you've done you've done a lot, and and now that you are the Habitat Field Manager at Pinda Private Game Reserve, what does your day to day job entail? Yeah, no, thanks, Josh. Uh, being a field uh, habitat manager um, job, it's <laughs> It, um, it, it calls for a flexibility as much as on the job description, it will say your role will be to uh, combat alien plants that are in the, in the property, it may also be transported from the outside of the reserve into the, into the reserve by either vehicles or game captures or anything that bypasses, as well as um, uh, combating uh, uh, bush encroachment, uh, just to try and open spaces or open terrains and habitat uh, for animals like cheetahs and you know like white rhinos and uh, the grazing animals uh, to be able to utilize the better quality grasses and um, and also part of the the habitat uh, jobs entails is to also do a lot of work on um, on on soil erosions. Do a lot of work on on fences. Do a lot of work on on on, um, on road maintenance as well. So that that's that kind of uh, the role that um, a full habitat manager will be doing on his uh, daily basis uh, at work. But I said earlier that it calls for flexibility. Um, at the same time, um, I, I do get involved quite a lot in um, working with the communities, more especially the, the, the tribal authorities and the local uh, um, indunas or, uh, or headmans, I do get involved quite a lot in uh, in human wildlife uh, conflict um, mitigations and strategies and trying to come up with, you know, like solutions that will be working for uh, both parties, uh, the conservancy side as well as the community side. So, yeah. I jump into security as well every now and then uh, when there's a call that is needed um, also involved. So yeah, I do I do quite a lot uh, outside of my actually zone as I had said in terms of the job description for being a field habitat manager. And uh, Barry, why is the communication between yourself and community leaders so important? I mean, you've mentioned a bunch of really integral roles that you perform to help the reserve run. But why is that communication line between yourself and community leaders really crucial to the running of, of the reserve and conservation? I, I found it, it, it's a very critical component um, that has to be kept, you know, uh, going as well as a transparency between uh, the conservation side of things as well as the community. I'm saying that because here at Pinda Private Game Reserve, um, you find that there is quite a quite a huge chunk of land that is leased, you know, from the communities. So it, it's a, it, it's quite important that you know we maintain the, the communication between us as well as the the, uh, the landowners for any, for example, for any infrastructure that has to take place within the reserve or the, within the conservancy, uh, if it's going to take place on that land that is leased, uh, it's quite important that we don't just you know, jump in and start doing what we want. We engage with the community uh, representative, the trust, 
and then look at the pros and cons uh, of what we actually are wanting to do. Is it going to be sustainable? Is it going to create more job opportunities? Is there any sort of like skills uh, development that is going to be taking place? Uh, so it's all those like small, well, they may be small details, but at the end of the day, they are huge, uh, huge details that surrounds the decisions and uh, as well as, you know, like communication. It's also very uh, critical to, to keep that line of communication uh, as open as, as we can, because not only it serves the purpose of, you know, the relationship in terms of land use, uh, it's also keep uh, a strong relationship in terms of, you know, poaching that may take place. And you find that at times then the people that poaches are from, you know, like, the, the closest communities to your boundary as well. So now if, you know, we, we, we keep the line of communication quite important, we engage with them, their communities uh, will actually play a huge role as a, your, your first line of defense in terms of uh, illegal activities that may perhaps uh, happen into your reserve. So the more the communities understand the, the concept of, you know, game reserve or conservation uh, sectors, the more likely that a lot of uh, people or youth can be educated uh, of the importance of, you know, conserving the land, importance of conserving the wild animals um, as such. So, yeah, there's there's quite a lot um, that, you know, by having a good communication, it can play a huge role in your success of um, the reserve or the conservation side. I mean, hence, you know, we've... Over the last year or two, I think we one of the reserves that didn't get animals like rhinos post. Uh, that's the community communication part of things uh, is part of all those, you know, like critical components. Yeah, so that's really interesting saying that um, the communication between yourselves and the surrounding communities is, plays a really important role in the conservation of all the species on, on Pinda. And I'm, sh I'm sure that, that you must also play a little bit of a role in another way with the communities. And that might be one of, um, as a mentor, having come from um, those, some of the communities surrounding Pinda yourself. Was there, was there anyone in particular who encouraged you to take your next steps in your career? And do you now see yourself as a mentor to others? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an individual that always you know, uh, challenge, challenge myself. And I'm an individual that always likes to watch what, you know, other successful people in their life have, have gone through and where they are now. You know, I always say to myself, I was lucky to, when I started here, um, I was lucky to look up at um, Mr. Eric Butelezi, who is the current a general manager for Pinda South Lodges. Uh, that will be um, Pinda Mountain Lodge, Pinda Rock Lodge, and, and Pinda Zuka Lodge. You know, after after hearing about his story, you know, where he started, um, started as a porter, you know, barman, and now being a GM, I was like, yeah, you know what? Um, it's people like Mr. Butelezi that can be my role model. If he could have done it, what can stop me, you know, like getting to where I actually wanted to. Again, I was lucky to to work with him uh, for a bit as a butler. And uh, he, you know, 
he's someone that was, you know, giving me responsibilities, you know, as a butler. He was giving me responsibilities that are outside of my zone. You know, he will, like, make an example. He wouldn't, I mean, he will just say to me, okay, guess that arriving at, at 11 o'clock. Have you got welcome drinks? Have you got welcome towels ready? Go and meet the guests and check them in. And I'll be like, but Eric, are you sure you want me to do that? He said, no, no, go for it, you know. So it was kind of all those like challenges, you know, that I enjoyed working with him. And I looked at, I looked up at him. So he's actually my role model. Uh, he's a good friend of mine that I still keep in touch with him quite a lot. Yeah, it's, it's great to know that there is that aspect of, of teaching and um, and camaraderie and friendship that goes into working behind the scenes at um, at the lodges. And do you see yourself as a as a mentor to other people who may be looking to get into work at the reserves? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I, 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 I definitely that will be my, my my goal and my dream to to see another another and beyonder. You know, becoming a full habitat manager one day, you know, becoming a reserve manager one day. So again, there there's there's always this will within me that I, I have to tell my story to any aspiring, you know, uh, individuals that would like to know about um, the conservation side of things. I always tell my story to uh, the trainees that uh, I sometimes meet at the lodges I always advise them that, you know, you're at the right organization, that there's so much that you can do. But if you are level-headed, if you're ambitious, if you're goal-driven, dedicated, you know, and um, you work hard towards your your goal, there's nothing that actually can uh, stop you. Definitely, Josh, uh, I do see myself as a mentor, the next, you know, generation that we do see coming through uh, Pinda itself. And uh, Barry, after years of working on Pinda, you must have some incredible stories to tell. Uh, specifically, I wanted to know if, if there are any wildlife encounters that really stand out for you. Sure. It's always an interesting question. Um, just to try and sum it up in, 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 in one encounter. I, I remember back when I was uh, still a guide, um, I think I was at Zuka Lodge. You know, this this um, still comes back to my mind. And um, yeah, there was this particular day or particular afternoon we where we were looking for elephants, if I remember correctly. Yes, we were looking for elephants. And we had been searching for probably almost two hours and we without any lack of, in fact, like seeing elephants. And it was a hot day uh, on that day. And um, I remember chatting between myself and and uh, my tracker, a guy called Simiso, who I, I'm very proud that I worked with him. And I used to, you know, encourage him as well um, to, to step up. He's now a field guide at, at Pinda Forest Lodge. And so I was working with him. So then we decided, you know, let's go and check around water holes to see if these elephants, because we could see like tracks. We started seeing like tracks of at least one animal uh, building up into two, building up into five. And then we realized that they were in fact like heading towards water holes. And um, so we tracked them up to water holes. And then by sheer luck, um, there was an excitement as 
you know, before we got to the waterhole, we could hear them, you know, trumpeting with that joy that they've almost reached their destination of getting water. So, yeah, my guests were quite excited and we were all excited because, you know, we had worked hard to actually find them. So, yeah, we found them drinking at a waterhole to the uh, southeastern part of the property. Out of the blue, they started stressing out and we were wondering why all of a sudden, because we could, we could have, I mean, we, we saw they were like, having fun in the water, drinking and bathing and playing and doing whatever. And suddenly they're stressing. And we started looking around thinking that, is there possible that there's lambs close by that we haven't seen them, they've, they've seen. We checked around and we couldn't see any hints of any predator. Uh, but, you know, the stress level raised up, raised up. And we thought it was ourselves, but... In terms of where we're viewing them, uh, distance-wise, we're well far away from them. So it definitely wouldn't be us. And something tweaked my mind, and we thought, is it a crocodile in the dam, or what's happening? We picked up binoculars and just try and scan, because we could see there was one individual female that um, will every now and then go and kneel on the dam wall, as if she's talking with something in the dam. So as we picked up binoculars and scanned between uh, the dam wall and the elephants, we could see that a young calf actually had fallen into the dam and that's what was causing the panic uh, out of the head because now they can't get this young calf you know, out of the water. Uh, every attempt that the calf is trying to get itself out because now the dam wall is, you know, like is wet, so it's kept slippering back into into the dam. And flip now, what to do next? Do we call the conservation manager to come in and uh, assist to get this calf? But then I realized that you know what? We, we're talking about elephants here. You know, it should be even more dangerous to try and actually do something at this stage. But what what was more interesting and a very good lesson to learn on that on that sighting, Josh, was the cooperation and the workmanship between the females, including young bulls, uh, trying to help the mother to to get that calf out of the dam. You know, like they wouldn't give up at all. I saw something that I'd never seen with elephants. Um, and I learned a lot on that day because there were strategies that were used by all the members to try and get the baby out. I remember seeing them firstly where the, the mother possible will go, as I said earlier, will kneel on the demo, encourage the baby, which I think that was happening, encourage the baby to keep the trunk, you know, up so that it doesn't drown itself. Other members uh, also going to the, to the demo it wasn't like a deep demo, in fact, uh, but it was a young calf. Um, I saw other members going there, you know, like talking with the youngster and sort of like walking slowly on the side of the demo as if they were saying, okay, if you keep coming this direction, it's not as deep as where you are. And we could see the young calf following that call along the demo, but it will get to a stage where it's tired because it's been trying to get itself out, you know, for the last 20, 25 odd minutes. We saw them, we saw big bulls getting involved there, uh, using their trunk to try and scoop the baby. 
um, that was not successful. And we like we watched them regrouping as if they were like strategizing to come with another plan. And then a few seconds after they've regrouped, you will see them all coming back together into uh, into the baby. And the funny part of it, which you know, is that they started like drinking water and spilling it out as if now they're trying to empty the dam. You know, there was I must say the, the, the there was a lot of like emotional moments be, uh, behind my yeah it must have been an in- incredibly emotional sighting yeah uh, like when i turned back i could see tears you know i had to manage that situation as well uh, between my guest uh, but eventually two um my tracks decided you know what that it's now we've tried everything and they both went into into the water uh to where the baby was and we could tell how deep that baby was because those matrachs we could only see half of their body and then so they got to where the calf is and they gently came together with their uh, with their heads sides and i think um, they used the task gently to both line it up underneath the youngster and scoop it and we saw them walking with it um all the way out of out of the dam and <laughs> there were some joyful moments behind me clapping hands and we, we couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it and as i said you know that at one particular wildlife encounter that you know um still comes to my mind every time i see heads of elephants not saying like there's not others there are but that one was special because you know, I, I learn a lot about what I've always been hearing about how socially bonded elephants are. To see every member of the head trying something at least to help save the life of another member of the head. Regardless that it wasn't this one's baby, but all the members, you know, they did something. So yeah, that's, that was a a lot of lot of learning on that on that sighting that is a remarkable story and that must have been incredibly emotionally exhausting for you your guests and of course the elephants as well absolutely so you've um you've told us that wonderful story about elephants i i now wanted to ask you about any of your um favorite animals that you enjoy working with at um at Pinder Private Game Reserve. I know that you guys do a lot of incredible elephant conservation work, but are there um any animals in particular that you enjoy um working with? Um yeah, funny enough, you know, after that that incredible um incredible exposure to see how elephants work together as a unit, I I kinda like fell in love with them. And um I think you know, having having done a few works with with elephants as part of the conserva- uh, conservation team, and I kind of like enjoy working with elephants now. You know, from from learning about their movements, and um, there's a lot of like work that get done behind elephants here at at Pinda, uh, just to try and again gain more insight into uh, into their life uh, as a group. So there's a lot of data that get collected and luckily get shared 
uh, with, with with us as well. So yeah, I, I enjoy them. I enjoy like you know the, the, their social behavior. Um, I, I enjoy their structure. I enjoy watching them. You know, doing something because sometimes you see this elephant bull and and he's standing leaning against a tree and he's got like his eyes half closed. I always like stopped and just you know like watch him and will be interesting to know what is actually what is actually going on in his mind you know because if they could tell a story I'm, I'm pretty sure elephants will be able to tell incredible stories you know from their life um if you think back where they used to be able to find water holes how do they find the better quality grasses and and the communication and everything so yeah i, I do enjoy elephants uh, I also do enjoy uh, working with um, the pangolins uh, just because of, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that in my life working in the conservancy, um, I would have had a chance to, you know, to see a pangolin uh, in my life. Um, I missed my opportunity when I was like working uh, up in Ngala. So, yeah, since we've had them here and, you know, just to learn about them as well, um, I've actually also enjoyed it. Amazing. And um, we are, I mean, you've mentioned two species that we know Pinda does a lot of uh, remarkable conservation work with. And I wanted to ask you, is there any particular project that you've been proud to be involved in at, at Pinda besides elephants and pangolins, or even if those are the ones that you're most proud of being involved in? Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a few to mention. Um, one being... The community conservation course, which we started a couple of years ago, I've actually enjoyed that. I've actually enjoyed it because that way I think we have an opportunity to, to have another Berim Tembu, you know. I've actually enjoyed, you know, working with those, with those students, teaching them and, you know, like sharing stories with them, you know, giving them that opportunity that, uh, like, it's, it's difficult you know, for, for people from these communities just to, you know, go to a university to study conservation. So the little, which is not so little that we do here, to expose them to the conservation in terms of, you know, the, the research, in terms of the land management, in terms of the guiding aspect, as well as wildlife management. You know, I think it's, 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 it's quite critical. And I, I do enjoy, you know, that that project. I also have been also involved in uh, in another project that is also been new to us. Um, we started uh, a project of you know assisting the local traditional doctors, our Sangomas as they call them, with uh, plants or trees uh, called um, the paperback tree. Because again, after a, a lot of research, it has come that it's it's a tree that is highly utilized in the in the communal areas and in such a way that it is in high demand uh, for traditional medicines, uh, etc. And now uh, it's it's a species of a tree that you cannot uh, or one cannot just you know go out in the field in the communal areas and come across it. Then, together with other uh, stakeholders, came with an idea of repopulating the, the, the species and grow them here. 
and then yeah distribute it into into the community so that people can have their own you know own trip because the risk going forward was that they they were going to start you know there's been cases one or two cases um of you know people coming illegally into the reserve because they want this tree someone at home is sick and they need this tree you know they need like part of the tree to actually do some traditional medicines you know to help their fellow relatives um so i've been also like heavily involved in that project um which again it's it's one of these groundbreaking project which i'm proud of being part of it uh, community side is also happy i've also like worked partly with africa foundation you know like trying to assist a community in mozambique close to maputa special reserves uh, and coming with some ideology of having sort of like a joint community conservation structure that uh, the community does benefit from the presence of the conservation the conservancy or the or the reserve as well as the conservation or the conservancy does actually also benefit you know so like a work work partnership sort of uh, so i've also been um involved there which again one has to take pride of it that um another country can can see what we as pinda we as and beyond together with africa foundation does and they want to uh, tech that is a study case and replicate into their country. So, yeah, you do feel proud to be involved in in those projects. And if they become successful, you know, it's one of the stories that I'll say, you know, I was involved in this. I've done my part. Barry, I think something that really resonates with me is that every single project that you've mentioned that you're most proud to have been involved in also involves a really strong uh, community aspect. And I think it just highlights how important it is that um, Ambion and other um, companies like Ambion continue to engage with the communities and um, partner with um, organizations like the Africa Foundation to continue to do work within the communities. So thank you for, for that. It was lovely to hear about some of those projects. And um, Barry, having chatted to you today, there's something else that I've really realized about you, and that is that you tend to visualize yourself in something that you want to achieve and then set out to go and achieve that goal, which is really something um, incredible. And so I wanted to ask you, what is next for you? What are you hoping to achieve uh, or focus on in your career going forward? No, thanks. Thanks, Josh. What next, what next for me is, again... Um, is, that a, is that a loaded question? Are there <laughs> lots of different options? Yeah, well... Um, yeah, for, for me, Josh, is to, is to be able to, 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 to carry on being, firstly, being a role model to, to other aspiring conservationists out there. Uh, not just being a role model itself, you know, but to actively mentor them, you know, educate them because I was mentored as well. You know, I, I had a role model and just encourage them, you know, that's, that's, that's my, my, my sort of like picture way or my path where I'm trying to go to, uh, just to groom, you know, the next, the, the next conservationist. Cause it, it, for me, it will be, uh, incredible to, you know, maybe in, Say for example, in 10, 15 years' time, we have someone that comes from. I'm just gonna pick 
Makasa community as an example. So someone that is from Makasa community that came through to Pinda and did a, uh, this community conservation course and he successfully finished it. And now he, that particular individual, is managing um, a reserve somewhere else. It doesn't have to be at Pinda, but somewhere else, you know. Um, so th that will be a proud moment for me because, again, I'll, I'll be able to say I played a role in, in grooming this particular individual that is now the conservation or the warden uh, or the ecologist, you know, um, of this, you know, particular area. I would love to see myself, you know, like um, working towards that. And also, um, I've spoken quite a lot with, you know, communities and conservation side. Well, we, 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 we are all trying to to do as much as we can between ourselves, uh, Africa Foundations, uh, to try and bridge that gap between uh, the community and the conservation sectors. Because there's still, you still find quite a lot of misconceptions, you know, from, from the community side of things. Some people, not all of them, some people still don't see, in fact, the value of protecting the wildlife, you know, which then it's sit upon us, it's sit upon me that I has to, you know, play that role in trying to bridge that gap and making people to understand the importance of conserving land, conserving, you know, um, wildlife, uh, fauna and flora, because it plays a huge role uh, in terms of the economy of, of the country, the pride of the community as well. To, just to make them aware of that, um, I said earlier, the community, when we were talking about the, the, um, the communication, I said earlier, the community will then play a huge role of being the first line of defense in terms of uh, illegal activities that may take place into um, into the reserve. So, well, here's the thing. It's like um, we go and say to them, yeah, we, we need you guys to help us, you know, uh, in terms of people that may want to poach. But if we don't educate them, what is actually being protected inside the reserve. You know, a lot of it often goes into the bigger picture, which is, you know, runner poaching nowadays or other like impalas or small game for food. Uh, but th there's just so much, you know, um, that has to be protected. So that awareness, and I'm talking about, and also creating all like trying to bridge, you know, that gap so that we all can actually see the value of, presence of the communities in our boundaries as well as uh, the conservation side of things, the protection of, you know, wildlife. Um, just taking us back, you know, we, we had those um, animals that were uh, taken to to Rwanda uh, last year. And I said, uh, I said to chatting with some of the local leaders and I said, you know, if you didn't play a role or a part in protecting our rhinos. We wouldn't be, wouldn't have been in a position to be able to repopulate another country. You know, as much as Munyawana will get, you know, the thumbs up and the praise that they have, you know, played a huge role in 
successfully introducing Iranians to Rwanda, you as the community leadership has also played a massive role, you know, in educating the community about the importance of protecting these wild animals, reporting for any suspicious illegal activities. So yeah, it's just to try and sum it up, it's all that, you know, me as an individual will be my next step. Well, thanks, Barry. Some really uh, important ideas and words there about the involvement of communities and conservation and um, ensuring that we protect these wild spaces for generations to come. So thank you so much. It's been wonderful chatting to you today about your story, about conservation, about the involvement of, of communities in all aspects of of conservation as well. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Josh. Thanks. Uh, I really appreciate your time as well. Thank you for listening to Leave Our World a Better Place. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you'd like to find out more about and beyond, please log on to our website at andbeyond.com.